This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too. Before we jump in, I want to just remind everybody to go to practicalshepherding.com if you have any questions about any resources, any ways we can help you. There's a contact page there. You can reach out to us. I also want to ask you if this podcast has been helpful or the ministry just in general has been helpful to you. We're grateful for all the encouraging notes and support that we get. Uh, would you go to the donut the the the, <laughs> the, the donut page? What, are you the hungry bro? Man, we have to have a donut page. We should Anyways, have a donut, donut page. <laughs> Absolutely, should have a donut page. Oh man, we have we should have a donut page on a the donation. A donation page. page so you can eat more donuts. I'm totally not editing this out at all, so we're just keeping it. So That's beautiful, bro. We'll work on the donut page. <laughs> You can go to the donate page, though, if this is helpful, or if we just gave you a really good laugh, uh, we'll we'll uh, we can go to the donate page so and support I would us financially. More like I want to have a ministry to pastas, you know, so I could that would be cake you know. and donuts. I have some ideas; they're just swirling now. But we, we have a different topic. <laughs> All today. right, go ahead. Sorry. All yes. right. So, anyways, we've been helpful to you. Let us know uh, how we can be helpful to you in the future. And thanks for the way many of you have supported us and and uh, encouraged us as we continue in this work. Unfortunately, Jim, we're not talking about eating or donuts or anything else. But on this particular topic, we are going to talk about writing. And we're going to talk about hmm. pursuing more school as pastors. This is this came in uh, through social media. But these two questions really came in, and we felt like they go together, I think, in a, in a helpful way. So mm-hmm. we're going to discuss them together. Here's the topic at hand, and we want to want to give want to honor those who wrote into us, wanting us to address this. Certainly know where they're coming from, and that is... The question about should a pastor pursue advanced degrees? So even thinking that they did undergraduate and maybe even did seminary as well. But so thinking about advanced degrees beyond that, and this, this is once you're in ministry, pursuing them once you're yeah, in. that's right, right that's so. right. So so pastors who are people who are currently pastoring, yeah. asking about two things: advanced degrees, so DMINs, PhDs, right, those yeah. kind of things, THMs. Um, Degrees that a lot of pastors continue to pursue. Right. The second piece is just pastors writing in general. There's, you know, there's a, I mean, I don't know, in a lot, depending on what circles you're in, what tribe you're in, there's, there's pastors who feel a pressure to have to write and publish articles and, and journals or publish books, you know, and, and because that's what other pastors do. And so there's a, there's a question, I would even dare say a pressure on some guys they feel mm-hmm. uh, going through seminary, they're reading books of professors that, uh, that they admire and look up to and want to pursue similar things. So actually, I actually get this question a lot because our ministry, we've written a lot of different stuff. So I get this question about writing a lot. So this is what we want to tackle. And, and and I'm aware that a lot of pastors are asking this particular question in regard to writing and advanced degrees. So before we dig into it, though, Jim, will you just take a minute and kind of help us kind of have a biblical framework on how to think about this particular topic? Brian, the scriptures don't address either of these directly. They don't say anything to us about what a man's uh, educational background needs to be, and and we need to recognize that. I think, in fact, if we were to talk about uh, pastoral qualifications in the modern church and what the church expectations are versus what the scriptures lay out and and so the bible doesn't talk about that now the bible does talk about that men need to be trained in doctrine men need to be sound in their faith 
And so I think you know you need to have a basic competence and 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 skill level, uh, just to a degree academically, whether that's academically recognized by a degree or not. Yeah. So we're not being anti-intellectual. We're not saying that uh, being a good student of the word and of theology doesn't matter. So, it, but th- we are saying though that the scripture doesn't explicitly address this, nor does the scripture explicitly address. Uh, how our gifts are used uh, in addition to our pastoral labors. Uh, and what I mean by that, things that you might have the ability to do uh, that, that are not specifically a part of your pastoral calling. So writing a book or writing an article is not part of my pastoral calling. Yeah. I, 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 I could stand before the Lord unashamed and give an account for my ministry, never having written anything that, that, that would ever get published or that even that would go out to my congregation as a monthly or weekly devotional. That's something right. you don't. Right. So we're, we're in the realm then, Brian, of, of Christian liberty and I think that we, we add to that as men who believe in the sovereignty of God, who believe that the Spirit gives. In Romans 12, it talks about that, that the Spirit gives gifts and abilities for the building up and the edification of the body. And I think with that, it gives a certain degree of, of responsibility to be knowledgeable and generous with those gifts I think Romans 12 does talk about that, so that if your gift is ministry, then then you minister with zeal. If your gift is giving, then you do so with joy and liberality. Mm-hmm. And so in a sober assessment, again, Romans chapter 12, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought, but each man should think soberly according to the gift of grace given to him, yeah. so that he should think through, and if he recognizes and realizes that others see gifts in him or even certain deficiencies in him that might be met uh, by uh, getting some further training, taking some classes in areas where he just doesn't feel confident in, maybe in some certain matters of historical theology. He gets confused every time somebody mentions Nicaea or or certain Trinitarian debates, and he, he doesn't really know what's being talked about. And somebody might suggest maybe taking a class or two yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the realm. Yeah. Uh, that's where I would take it from, Brian. I, uh, I'm not sure about you. What do you think? Well, I think that... Um yeah, I, I would say that I, I would agree with all that you just said, and in fact, I, I think that you know, of course, I you know, I, I work at Southern Seminary, so I'm I'm a supporter of theological education. I think it is a good thing. Formal theological education is good in in so many ways, and we can get into that if we want. But from a biblical standpoint, I think we have to be mindful that the majority of the apostles were fishermen and people sure. who are you know, that it's it's harder to make an argument. That this is a requirement, certainly, as you were the point you were making. Yes, so. and obviously you have the great men of church history. We have men. You have men in church history go either way. You have yeah. geniuses level. Martin Luther was a seminary professor. Yeah. Uh, John Calvin, seminary professor in type, essentially. But you have to, and then you have Spurgeon, who didn't have, have any, any formal, any formal, but, was, any formal but, but was brilliant. But and studied. I mean, that's the point. It wasn't just that he he wasn't winging it. Yeah. He studied, he read, and, yeah. and he accumulated that knowledge that you, you, it, it's easier to get maybe to get it in, in, in that kind of education, but it's not, you can get it without it. So I think what we need to do, I do want to establish with everybody, we, neither one of us took a real typical uh, path towards 
how we learned how to uh, be biblically knowledgeable, theologically uh, knowledgeable of things to study and be prepared for the ministry in those ways. Just give a quick bio on what kind of what's your what's your education after high school? What did it look like? I went to a school that was called Columbia Bible College at the time. It's now called Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. And I went through the pre-seminary track there. And then I spent four years at a now-closed ministerial closed? academy. Is it yeah, closed now? It okay. is. Yeah, it's been closed for years. Uh, okay. It was called the Trinity Ministerial Academy. And it was out of a, a Trinity Baptist Church in Montville, New Jersey, and I studied there from 1986 to 1990. Mm. And uh, and I, it was a four-year, full-on uh, seminary coursework, but it, it, it was not accredited. Uh, I got a letter of commendation when I got done with that. Congratulations. That I have no idea where that is. <laughs> it was printed on a dot matrix printer or something like that, so, you know, somewhere, and signed by official. the elders. It's official. Uh, signed yeah. by the elders of the church, and the church here never asked to see it, and so there you go. I think, but you, I think you did okay. I did study. I mean, I, I took I took, you know, the, I took my Greek and Hebrew. I took Greek and Bible college and seminary and systematics and pastoral theology and church history and uh, you know, did those, did those studies that I, I think are are most geared toward pastoral labors. One of the benefits, just real quickly, of going where I went was that the men who trained me were were pastors in full time ministry, and they were, uh, so they had a good assessment of what a man really needs. So yeah, there wasn't any busy work. You know, there was there was no. I, whatever joke you'd make, theological basket weaving classes, you know, woven into it. It was, it was, it was this stuff that they felt this is what a man in ministry needs. You know, these were men that had been in ministry yeah. for decades. Actually, that's an important point to be made because you go to a big theological institution, there are there are hoops to jump through to get a certain degree and certain classes you have to take. Sure. So that's a it's a good point to make. Uh, I I um I did my undergraduate de- degree. I, I finished at IU. I started at Belmont University in Nashville. Did two years. And then finished at IU, uh, but I have no formal theological education, so I don't have any master's degrees or any of those kinds of things. And but I work at Southern Seminary, right? So yeah, I, I think Brian, we should make it clear that both of us are hoping to do something so significant that some academic institution will gift us with an honorary degree that we can then parade around. <laughs> well, maybe something in donuts. That, uh, oh man, that'd be the way to do it. I, I would totally take it in like. Donuts. Well, that than that I think else. we probably could get <laughs> no, honorary actually, degree. Actually, matter of fact, if you're a listener to this, you know, work something out with us. Honorary package of donuts for our <laughs> for our ministry labors. Maybe but, not an honorary degree. I mean, no, we, <laughs> sorry, we should be more. I serious. think the, uh, the honorary degree is going to be <clears> what we're be doing. A stretch. So I, I don't have any formal theological training. A lot of people know that, but some don't. And uh, but so I have a different path uh, in that I still learned. I was a rigorous reader and studier eventually when I got mm-hmm. into ministry. And I learned a lot. I learned most of what somebody would learn in an MDiv program at Southern Seminary. Right, but it was on self-study. It was through mentoring and others who would give that to me. And and, and as uh, you know, our, our ministry, I've, I've written a lot. And so you know, I think that's the first thing to point out is that um, writing isn't about... That's why we want to talk about these things together. A lot of times people think the path to writing as a pastor comes through advanced degrees. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not that way. It can work that way. And in other fields, it's actually that way. You actually have to have a PhD in certain areas, or nobody will take you seriously about anything you write. Sure. But 
pastoral ministry is a, a bit different. So that's why the, we want to kind of tackle these things uh, together. But here's the here. So I'll start us off, Jim, at this point on how do we how do we start to to think through whether a pastor should either pursue writing either articles of some kind or a book of some kind or pursuing an advanced degree, a THM, a D-Men, those kinds of things. Let me throw it to you. What's the what me the first thing we should throw out there that a pastor is everybody's different. What's one of the first thing pastors should be thinking about to consider this? Well, so let's take writing. I think the first question is a sober assessment of your gifts. Right. Not if you're a pastor, you should be able to know how to communicate. You, I think that that's you have to be apt to teach in order to be qualified. You want and to so be able to write. I, so, well, right? I, so I think part of that in our our day and age is for a lot of us is we write at least part of our sermons, and that's a whole other yeah. question about sermon prep. Uh, I tend to write. I, I write um, ten to fifteen pages per sermon of, of material, whether I read it, you know, but I have it with me. I to work through and. Uh, there's a difference between writing like that, writing for speaking versus writing for writing. Uh, I don't consider myself a writer. Now, Brian, you, you're the one who really should, should handle it. You, you've, you've written or contributed to 25 books is what I just heard on a podcast the other day yeah, that you did close. with Something like that. Liam uh, uh, there in, in Scotland. Yeah. And uh, I, I, the more I try to write, the more I realize I'm just really not a writer. I'm not... And I don't, and you're not in this sense. I mean, a guy who writes, a writer writes. I mean, they that's what they do. So they write five, yeah. 10, 15 pages a day, because right. just like you know, a guy who's an electrician is going to spend some time around wires and you know whatever. And we write when we have opportunity, but but uh, or when we're asked to do something. But I think primarily, Brian, again, get back to the first issue is. A sober assessment of your gifts. The fact that you can communicate speaking doesn't necessarily mean you're a good writer. That's a good point. Um, and so you need to understand, do I have the ability to communicate well in written form? I may be able, if you're a preacher, you should be able to communicate in spoken form. Hmm. Writing and speaking are two different things. Yeah, that's your, it's a great so, point. And the vice versa, right? If you right. are a good writer, that doesn't mean you're going to be a good preaching uh, communicator speaker. exactly right so that's a great place to start so if you're if you're a pastor wrestling through these issues you first want to be honest about how you're gifted in general and you want to because if, if you're not gifted to 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 write and communicate in that way and have a that as part of your ministry um you you don't want to pursue it just because you're feeling pressure that your favorite pastor writes books and that's what you think you're supposed to do or something and i i know that gets to Motivation. I guess to another issue that we can get right. to in a minute, but um, but assessing gifts is is really important because there are some people who um, love to write who can't write well, and then there are people who can write well but don't love love to write. So mm-hmm. uh, assessing your gifts, and then it, is it something that you actually really love to do? I mean, that's part of my story. Like I, I was a terrible writer. In fact, I <laughs> I needed I was trying to just learn to write well, just to write a sermon well, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is one is why. I, Every pastor needs to be a competent writer to be able to just, like you said, commu- it, communicate well. Whether it's writing a yeah, what does it mean to be apt to or, teach or right? writing an e- right or writing an email right with church. clarity, yeah, right. with clarity, right. right with clarity, some basic grammar. But but I didn't go looking for this for to, to write. I didn't enjoy writing. I was I was afraid of it. I didn't write well, and mm-hmm. so the the opportunity to write for me kind of just fell in my lap in a way, and I didn't want to do it. I actually fought it for some time, so, and. 
part of that was because and the number one reason I fought against it is I was convinced I was not gifted to do this. Mm-hmm. So th- that is an important piece to this. I had to learn how to write as I'm writing, which is a you know as you're writing these whether mm-hmm. books or things. That's a bad way to do it. But assessing your gifts and honestly doing that and using the affirmation of other people who know you is a big place to start. Yeah, you need right. You need yeah. some honest, honest criticism. Will you say a word about motivation? Because that's another big piece to considering this. Yeah, motivation is a big thing. And the scriptures teach us about motivation. God is going to judge the intents and secrets of men's hearts. Why do why do we want to do this? And I and I'm going to tag along. Uh, something with this, Brian, that you have said, and, and I think it was given to you by your friend Tim Chalice, was you have to have something to say. Yeah. And so, now again, some people have a motivation to write because it's heady stuff. I mean, you know, seeing your name on a book and a, a, a real book, a real book, a printed book, uh, it, it, it can be heady stuff. I and mean, it's not just something you've done desktop publishing or, you know, whatever one well, of these or things. Or a degree as well works the oh, right. same oh, way. Exactly it, right. And we'll it, talk about that. Degree, yeah, right. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Right. So, you know, what is your motivation? Is your motivation to get your name known? Uh, I contributed, I think some people will know, I contributed with you in writing The Pastor's Soul, available right. now at 10 of those That's and right. other fine retailers. <laughs> nice work. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm a terrible promoter. <laughs> I can't bring myself to promote the, the, the thing. Yeah, that I was just, Jim mocking him, uh, uh, mocking himself no, but, in that promotion. But really, so. Yeah, but, yeah, but so um, if, I had, if I had helped you with that 15 years ago, I probably would have had a I would have had a hard time with my own emotions yeah. and pride and and other things. Uh, so I mean, what is your motivation? Having something to say, mm-hmm. and Brian, uh, for me, <laughs> uh, so I'm right. I'm working on and I'm on the editing phases of a book. Brian asked me to write. I I'm, did I'm doing the work of an evangelist. Yeah, I wrote an appendix the other day. So you'll be happy to know. Oh, good. Uh, and, but th- for me, Brian, if, if tomorrow I found out that Kevin DeYoung is, is, you know, had just written a book on do the work of an evangelist, I'd say there's no reason for me to have this. I used to write a blog. So I had a blog. I wrote 200 blog posts years ago. And very often I'd start to write a blog and I'd get on Tim Chaley's or Kevin DeYoung or whatever it is. And I'd see somebody wrote about the, almost the exact same thing I was about to write yep, about. I'd yep, delete it because yep. I think. All right, my my desire is that that get out there. I don't have to be the guy. I don't. I don't, I don't have to be the guy to write it. So you know, that's me. Uh, that's that, that's just yes. biographical. But yes, but what if your book is better than Kevin's book on? Well, do the work I, of an I, honestly, a couple of times my blogs were better, so I I did go ahead and publish those. You know, and, no, but not, you know, no. But, in, in all seriousness, though, that, that you're right because, but I think we have to be mindful of what's already out there. Again, that's part of having something to say that needs to be said. Right. But at the same time, you know, again, I think, I mean, even just to get off the, go off the example you just gave, like, you know, Kevin writing a book on doing the work of an evangelist and you writing a book on doing the work of an evangelist, uh, though you may have similar things you, you talk about, there's a, I think you have something unique to say about that. That's why I asked you to write the book. Right. I could, possibly. That would still matter just to but, make the yeah, point. Yeah, right. Obviously, he's a much better writer, but the, the, uh, and that's there's and, well, not even close to trying his, to be his, humble. His book's going to sell more. For you. Oh, his book's going to sell right, more. Right, but, right. So it's a it's not about that though. But, it's but, about having something. Yeah, to say. having something to say, and again, hopefully, the ability to say well. But I think you do need. I think you need to work through your motivations. I think there are some men we which have to recognize this that I may not be able to handle a larger platform, 
and that a larger platform, which uh, sadly a lot of guys want. And, and sometimes, again, there, there can be something good in that to say, I feel like I've got something I, I want to say. I believe God's given me some gifts. I think my interaction with other men is helpful. Yep. But but you know, there's a scripture that talks about seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. You do that that if your if your goal is to build your own platform, uh, you know. But the problem is, we, you know, we can't really minister anonymously. You know, if you're going to preach, if you're going to write a book, unless you want, you know, there was a book a few years ago. Was it called like something about obscurity by anonymous? Remember that? Or there was a. Um, and anyway, there was a book written, you know, something like that. But it was about living an obscure life yeah. uh, and being content to do that. Yeah. But when we preach a sermon, it's got our name to it. When you yeah. when you do a conference, Brian Croft, you know, when you write a book, it's your name on it. Um, and to be able to take that and 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 be able to be humble and gift with that with the gift that God has given to you. I don't know how some men do it. You know, I don't know. I can't imagine being. I'm just going to throw a name out there, like a guy like John Piper. When you know John Piper in the day, you know he would tweet something, and ten thousand people would retweet it. Like I, I, I tweet something, and I might get, I wait forty five days to get a like, and it's usually myself or my other account liking it. <laughs> when your daughter looks at it, no, she doesn't <laughs> like it either. So, and my, I, I keep telling my wife, get on Twitter so you can promote me. I put you know, one up but, just to let you know. Yeah, yeah so. no, but you know, but I, I, I'm just saying uh, that to me, I, if I got. If I if I did a sermon like Paul Washer did when he did his youth sermon and eighty five thousand downloads within, I don't know how I'd handle. I th- I, yeah. I think it would be bad for me. It's good. That, no, that's just me. And I'm not saying for everybody. But. It's good to know about yourself. And I think I want to shift this motivation conversation to the postgraduate advanced degrees because it's it's a similar conversation in that. Uh, and this is where I think this is where I would go the most for pastors asking about doing advanced degrees. And and that is to ask yourself the question why, you know what what is your motivation in a sense to do it, um, because and by the way if if you want to teach at a seminary level, and that's the reason you're going to get a PhD, yeah. you need a PhD. Exactly right. So that's an easy one, by the way. So now, uh, I, as your friend, I would probably have a different conversation with you about how rare it is to find those kind of teaching jobs anymore. They're almost impossible to find to get in, in most places. There are a number of so, PhDs working at uh, UPS. I've known a lot Would of them. Would you hand me that box, Doctor So and so? I've known a ton of yes. them and, and you can and that that is that's common. So that would be a different conversation. But that's but it, that's not a slam. I'm just saying that the, because there's not there's not work. It's out just there. that's what I'm. That's the point I want to make is that it's nothing wrong with you know again. There's a lot to learn and a lot of ben- personal benefit to just be go through that kind of rigorous study, but um, do you, if you want to teach, you have to have a PhD. If you want to do it at a, at a seminary level, How, having said that, DMINs and THMs and those kind of degrees are are not necess- are not any degrees you have to have to be a pastor. Of most places, there may be there may be a. There may be a church, uh, First Baptist flagship in the South, where you actually have to have a PhD, or they won't even consider your resume. Or your honorary doctorate, like or, we want to get. Oh, right, or, or either one in donuts. But um, <laughs> but that's typically not the, the, now, the case. I should announce my doctorate is from Krispy Kreme University, <laughs> but I am a doctor, according to <laughs> honorary. So th- that's the thing is, is typically those advanced degrees are not needed to pastor most places. So why do you want to do it? Are you going to go into debt to do it? I mm-hmm. think is a good question. Uh, have a tangible reason that you actually want to do those degrees, and and then to pick something that's strategic. So you know, again, I and I don't want to I don't want to mention some different ones because I don't want to communicate at all that some of these advanced degrees are maybe 
less practically applied in a pastoral than others. But you know, if you but a, a D men in a subject that uh, you could study on your own and still get the same benefit from uh, versus maybe a, a D-men or a THM in something that you want to study with somebody and you want to have the interaction with the other students, like in D-men seminars and all those kind of things. Sure. All that fits into motivation is my point. And I want to, I want to encourage um, anybody who's wanting to go do an advanced degree, have a tangible, good reason to do it. And if for no other reason, you will need that to convince your wife to con- to let you do this and her really be on board. So you do not want to have the motivation of just kind of the prideful desire to have as many degrees as possible uh, because you think it will validate you in your ministry. Um, that That's yeah. probably something you want to be aware of before you drop thousands of dollars and all the time and energy to do an advanced degree. Yeah, so I appreciate that. So family, certain is one yep. of the things. Your season of life. Do you yep. have a lot of little kids at home? Those kinds of things. What, let's talk about that well, a minute, actually. That, yeah. that That's a different topic in my mind because... Uh, really I, with both these things. A pastor a pastor who's in his mid-50s and his kids are grown to take on a demon because he wants to grow and develop more in this area and be pressed... Some guys realize they don't study well on their own. They need somebody to press them. Like the, that's a that's a different story versus someone who is wanting to pastor, just finished his MDiv, uh, and wants to jump right into another degree. You know, there, there's a level of you know to be an effective pastor, you actually have had to pastor some. And so I know that's an obvious statement, but I want to make it because I, I think, in matter of fact, I know there's seminaries that do a good job of designing THMs and DMs and stuff around pastors who've served 5, 10 years, 15 years, and then go back and do these degrees. They're designed for guys who are in full-time pastoral ministry. So I yeah. think that's important, too. Yeah. And, and Brian, there are men, obviously, and I don't know about men that would listen to this podcast, there are men who just love getting degrees. I mean, they get degree after degree they after degree. They just love school. They, they love to they study. They love school. And, that's and, legit. And, and, and that's okay, right? It's, it's just that's, that's the way you're built, and uh, very few men are built that way, but if you are built that way, but again, I think again, you think through even that. What, what is what am I? What is going on in my own soul? Is, is it just part of the way God made me, or am I am I fearful of what's going to come after school or whatever else? I think too, Brian. I want to. I do want to touch on this that men who are competently shepherding. And somebody comes along, and again, maybe it's the books that they read, and they think to themselves, wow, I, and you may, you may have gone through this, but I don't have a degree. And, and Brian, when, did anybody in, it's in your church, in your 17 years at Auburndale, ever ask you about your degree or what grades you got in a class? No, never. But uh, what did you get? In, in fact, the, I, I, well, I, that's no. a different conversation right, no. for sure. <clears throat> but but I, I'm glad you brought that up because... And of course, and I want to acknowledge. I know I'm I'm in a different situation, uh, in a sense that I'm I'm getting to. I've gotten opportunities to do these other things, without a lot of the education that a lot of people will say you actually have to have to do it. Mm. And I, and I want to acknowledge that. But I'm to a point now where, and I'm willing I'm willing to share this just to make the point. I actually have people. I there are seminary professors, people who have incredible academic resumes, who actually have who've discouraged me. I wasn't planning on doing more degrees, but like discouraged me from pursuing more uh, schooling because uh, that I've been able to do these things. The God, just God's provided the opportunity. And I believe it's come out of just fruit of just pastoral ministry because that's what I write about. I'm not writing a book on the atonement. I never, I never will. Right. So I actually get, you know, I've had people encourage me 
to keep just doing what I'm doing and not see a reason to pursue that. Even though I, I work at a seminary, I have an opportunity to actually do more schooling if I if I wanted to. But to be able to make the point of having people in this world that represent that God can use you in a variety of different ways. You don't have to have all the school to accomplish it, though that is the typical path a lot of people try to take. To yeah, and I think really, Brian, part of what we're talking about here is not really what you do before you're in the ministry. It's what, you're, what you do while you're in the ministry. And That's even, exactly and even, right. Again, there are guys who feel like, and I've seen this over their high-profile cases sometimes, a guy's in a ministry, he's pastoring a church, and yet he thinks, oh, I don't have a degree. To me, it's like a guy's in the major leagues, and he says to himself, oh, no, I, I was never in the minors. You know, like, no, you're doing the work. Yeah. You, 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 you're okay. All right, right, so let me just touch on these couple of things real okay, quickly here. Go ahead. So, and this is probably more about writing, because this is the question about, is it okay? So I'm going to write a book. So I'm writing this book on do the work of an evangelist. When do I do that? Because I'm hired by my church. I don't get paid by practical shepherding. Right. I don't even get donuts. There wasn't even a donut. I will I came provide in. donuts for you. Well, when that's you why you turn asked, the manuscript you, into me. I will have. Why, I'll have a dozen donuts asked, waiting for you, baby. I, I shouldn't though. If people who have seen me <laughs> should know that I I do not need any more donuts in my life. Um, but. I get I get paid by for by my church to pastor my church right and that's right. and and so that's always my priority. So if I write, I'll sometimes write on I write on my day off. I'll sometimes do some writing on my day off. Jim, you're taking or, a day off to write. Or if I have if the sermon is done and there are no counseling sessions. So this you know this week a number of counseling things throughout the week that 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 need to get done. So if at the end of that I say I have some time, uh, I'll, I'll try to bring it up and, and, and do some writing. Uh, I think if you're you're going to take the time away from your normal labors, maybe to finish a project or to really do, like you're going to take a, a week off or something like that, just communicate that with your fellow elders and, and maybe run it by the church so people know what you're doing. Let them know that I'm I've been asked to help, and this is a. I view this as a ministry, and I believe ultimately it'd be a benefit even to the church here. Uh, but I think you need to think through your time and, and think through your priorities. Don't don't write to the neglect of shepherding your sheep. Yep. Don't write to the neglect of of giving good food to your flock on the Lord's day. That's your top priority every week. Yeah, that's really good, and I would totally agree with that. Uh, I would. There's one nuance I would give though with this, and that's I think pastors who write which, by the way, I think is a good thing, especially if you process information that way. Uh, there's some guy, like, I'm an extrovert and I'm a talker, right? I'd much rather sit and have a conversation on a podcast with you like this than to sit in a dark room and write. But there are guys who are the exact opposite of that. Right. And so I want to say that, uh, you know, pastor who just writes, I think is good and beneficial for his ministry and the church. In fact, especially if you write things that could be a benefit to the church that you serve. So I'm with you. I, I agreed with everything you said, but I, but I would say that I, I think we can get, I think pastors can, because they're not hired to necessarily write, uh, at least that wasn't usually in the job description. I think them writing about stuff is a way to develop their thinking and their processing information and their abilities to argue and be clear about things or whatever it might be. So I actually think a pastor can justify part of his local church ministry to right now. He doesn't need to carve out 15 hours a week to do it. That's not what I'm talking about. But if he takes two, four hours a week to sit and actually write as part of his, and seeing that as part of his work to develop his mind and his thinking, he's writing some, whether it's for a blog like you did for years and years or whatever, that the church benefited. 
the early books of Practical Shepherding, Jim, you know this, they were written for my interns. Mm-hmm. So that that's where that started. And then we found out people outside the three or four guys in our church who were benefiting from it would, would also benefit from it. So start writing in your church in ways that would benefit your church. Second thing is uh, your best writing as a pastor is going to come from the outpouring of your grinding pastoral ministry right. in your church. So I've always said this about church revitalization. Like I, like the guys who are the, the church, the guys who are writing really the most helpful cutting edge things about church revitalization aren't guys with PhDs in church revitalization, which I don't even know what that is. But it's the guys who've done it. It's the guys who right, have the scars sure. from it. And all the guys in my world that write about that, that are the that are the ones that are most helpful, are the practitioners. Right. So if you're a, if you're a pastor and you're you're writing, there's tons of ways to benefit others based on that. But um, you, you, but I, I agree with you. You need to be mindful how much how much you're doing it. Your primary call is to shepherd people and feed the sheep with preaching and teaching the word and ministering the word. And writing can be a, a a piece to that. So if you're asking the question, should I start writing? Yeah, you just should. It'll help your sermon prep. It'll help everything else. But branching off into this world of, do I write a book and give a lot of time to it, or do I do this or do that? I think there's a lot of questions you have to ask on whether that's how you should spend your time, at least in the early years, with a young family and those kinds of things. Very good. Any final words, Jim, you want to give on this? Yeah, I'm just going to, again, get back to... You you have to do what you're called to do, and 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 to know your calling. Some of these things are in addition, and so they they are they're wisdom issues, they're prudence issues, and, and just ensure that in the the primary things, watching over your own soul, guarding your flock, feeding your flock, taking care of your people, loving your family, those are the things you're going to give an account for. Yeah. You can face the Lord with a good conscience on the last day with a with a GED. And never having written uh, on a right. bubblegum wrapper, you know. Yep. So you you you're 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 going to be okay. God may give you, and God may gift you. God may provide opportunities. God may give encouragements to you, and and allow your gift to be used outside of your church. But we're called to shepherd the flock that's among us. That's what we're going to give an account for, uh, and that's what we need to keep as our priority. That's good. My final word on this is: be a ferocious learner. Whether it's reading books, mm. whether it's learning from somebody older with more experience, but be a learner, be a reader, and just try to continue to learn. We we never we never learn everything that we need to learn, and uh, seek good counsel as you're, especially if you're thinking about tackling an advanced degree. Um, talk to people who know you, and whether you have the margin in your life to do this, um, make sure your wife's really on board. Uh, the amount of amount of pastors that uh, drug their wives through um, um, MDiv and and then five years of a rough pastorate and then you propose a to take on a DMN like let her speak freely about how she really feels about this if she feels pressured into that so seek counsel and, and allow other people to speak into your life uh, who know you so I'm going to take a minute and pray uh, for those of you who are wrestling with this this particular issue Lord thanks for um, the different gifts you've given pastors and the way you're using them to serve your churches all over the world. And we ask that you would uh, just give wisdom to each pastor listening to this who maybe has gifts to write, who has a passion to write, has something to say, but maybe doesn't know how to get started or how to engage with that, how to make the time to do it. We pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom, as we know this is different for every pastor. Give discernment on where they should pour their time. But Lord, remind us all of the primary 
calling you have upon us to shepherd your flock that is among us. And that we would be faithful in that task. And if you give us more to steward, that you would help us to be uh, humble and gracious and faithful to what you give us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.